Hello, everybody. This is Side Out. I'm Jaren with Landon. We got college football, man. We had some, some games yesterday. Yeah, we did. That <laughs> snuck up on me. No good games. But, <laughs> but uh, there were some games. Thursday, OSU kicks off. Ready for that? Ready yeah. for that. Yeah, so uh, and the opening weekend's got a pretty good slate of games, like they usually do. There's a few really good games. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. First, we want to give our thoughts and prayers to Jacksonville. That was a crazy thing. Like, I was shocked when I heard about it. I saw something about it at when we were, I was at work today, but I didn't realize what it was. So I looked on my phone and saw the video, and that was that was one of the scary things I've ever seen. Just yeah. as someone who plays video games, hearing that yeah. and yeah, and to hear the gunshots and all that, and then to find out he was a gamer that just lost. That's, um, but he had a gun in his bag. I think he was coming there to do something, no matter what happened. Yeah, that was just terrible. Yeah, crazy, crazy situation. So thoughts and prayers out to them. Um, but, uh, moving on, uh, we want to start every podcast that we do. Don't do many, but when we do do them (laughs) with some kind of top five. So last time we did top five current NFL running backs. And then we got into, we started talking at work. Let's do our top five current running backs in college. So who is your fifth best running back? Fifth best running back. I'm going with Damian Harris from Alabama. Just another highly rated recruit running behind that monster offensive line he's gonna put up numbers pretty yeah. safe bet yeah I uh I had the fifth spot was the hardest one I thought I had okay. Damian Harris I wrote David Montgomery from Iowa State first mm-hmm. then I went Damian Harris and then I settled on this guy because I found out this guy has three straight 1,000 yard seasons going into his senior year plays at Washington Miles Gaskin had 1,380 yards 6.2 yards per carry 21 rushing touchdowns and had 232 receiving yards for 12.2 per carry and three or 12.2 per catch with three touchdowns. So I'm with him. I had those other two guys yeah. also listed as my five, but I just landed on Damian Harris. Yeah, that was a tough one. That was a really tough one. Who's your fourth? Uh, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, thought about putting him higher. I think you need like two, three, and four, almost interchangeable. It's more of a preference on running style, in my opinion. Yeah. But, I mean, poised for a big year. Wisconsin turns out running backs almost at the rate Alabama does. Yeah. My number four, uh, you could argue the last eight, I believe eight games, he was the best running back in the country, but you have to put a whole full season together. That's why I have him at four and not higher. Rodney Anderson from OU, he had 1,161 yards, 6.2 per carry, 13 touchdowns, 281 receiving yards, which I was kind of surprised, 16.5 per catch, five touchdowns receiving. But like I said, I want to see 12 games and not just – Eight. So that's why I have him at four. Number three. Well, I actually have Rodney Anderson at three. Okay. So I uh, feel like you covered him pretty well. Not really any need for me to run back those stats. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. He could go way higher. I just, as a person, I want to see a whole season because he really struggled early. And then he just took off. Found his footing. He took off. I mean, he's, again, poised for a big year. He yeah. saw the talent. And I really think he will put it together. And conversation, I mean, I think we all kind of know who the number one running back is, and oh, it's yeah. going to take it. That one's obvious. Big jump for anyone to catch him, but Rodney Anderson, if things break right, he could end up in that conversation. Yeah, he could. He really could. Number three, I got Justice Hill. Uh, 14 or 1,467 yards, 5.5 per carry, 15 touchdowns. I worry because they did lose a lot of their line. We were talking about that before, um, but he didn't have a great line last year. Played really well. 190 yards receiving, which was pretty – Decent for a running back. Only one touchdown receiving. But I want to see all three of those running backs I mentioned. They are pretty good receiving running backs. But I want to see all 
actually all the running backs I'm going to mention, I think they should get used in the passing game more because all five are actually really good pass catchers, but they don't aren't they're not used as much. Uh, Rodney and Justice probably used a little more and Miles than the other two that mm-hmm. I have, but yeah, I got Justice Hill. Well, I actually have Justice at number two. Right. Um, like I said, he does need to be used in the passing game more. And from what I have read about practices, he's actually lining up in the slot occasionally. That'll be good. Because, I mean, this year, Cowboys have a stash of running backs they do. back there. And so trying to get him the ball in more creative ways while still getting the other people on the field. I mean, some of the moves he puts on defenders in the open field isn't right Mm-hmm. And you mentioned his O-line wasn't great. Yeah. And while there isn't a lot of starting experience, this new, this line that the Cowboys have now, it's deeper mm-hmm. to where if someone does get hurt, there's going to be a person who could play stepping in instead of pulling random people. So yeah. the only thing I worry about is maybe him losing touches to – I mean, there's three other running backs that have to get touches on that team. Yeah, and the one good thing about Justice – like, if you have a bad offensive line, one way to get your running back the ball is put him at receiver or run some passing plays, some yeah. screens like that. I know David Montgomery was used that way a lot okay. at Iowa State. Um, so I think they should definitely do that. Number two, I have Jonathan Taylor at number two. I mean, he almost had 2,000 yards as a true freshman, 13 touchdowns. He only had 95 yards receiving, 11.9 per catch. So he was a guy I want to see involved in the passing game more. But he has the best line in the country. They okay. returned everyone. They were a great offensive line. Or pretty much everyone. They had a great offensive line last year. They got a great one again. So, number two. Number one. Number one. I think this uh, is obvious. Bryce Love. I mean, I don't know what to say about this guy that hadn't been said yeah. already at this point. It's He's ridiculous. He is. I mean, he over 2,000 yards, 8.1 per carry, which is insane. He's almost getting a first down every That's, time he touches it. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Like, I think it's something like in college, if you get like close to five, you're like great. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, most I think college running backs want to hit around 4.5. I mean, yeah. Well, like Justice is 5.5, which is pretty good, and he's 8.1, and he also had 19 touchdowns. But my issue, 33 receiving yards. And I've actually seen him in the passing game. He catches, and he's great like that. They just yeah. do. Stanford never uses their running backs in the passing game unless you're Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> right. I mean, if he had come out, he could have come out this last year, and he would have been first round. I mean, probably. He would not have gone before Saquon, but he probably would have. He would have been second. He would have been the number two back off the board, yeah. possibly in the top ten. If he did go second, uh, running backs, I can't even think of who went second. Wasn't Rashard Penny? <laughs> it might have been Rashard Penny actually. Um, I'm gonna look that up, but it actually might have been Rashard Penny. Now that I think about it, because I think it was wasn't it that the kind of the shocker. I know it was a shocker. I mean, it was a shocker. He was picked first round, period. But I think wasn't it a big time shocker that he was taken um, as a second running back? Because I think they had someone highly ranked higher than him. But I mean, if if yeah, it was Rashad Penny at twenty seven. Yeah. So if Penny can go number one, Bryce Lott, or in the first round, Bryce Lott would would have gone first round. Which that's looking like a bad pick for the Seahawks. Just throwing out there, Chris Carson is not does not look like he's ready to give up that job. Yeah. <laughs> And he's kind of been a surprise because he wasn't great at OSU. He showed signs, but he's turned out to be a it was decent that, NFL back. That last half of his uh, senior year there after he yeah. came back from injury. When and he, didn't he split carries with someone? Justice Hill. It was his freshman year, wasn't yeah. it? Okay, yeah. So understandably <laughs> so why he didn't have a great year because Justice was pretty good. They had that thunder and lightning going on. And it, yeah, they did. They did, for sure. And at OSU, he also – they really haven't had a good line for a while. So It's been a long time. Yeah, but uh, he's, he's turned out to be a pretty good yeah. NFL back. So, all right, well, let's break down our conferences. We got ACC first. Who's in your championship game and who wins it? 
Yeah, I think Clemson wins it. I mean, they've been the best team in that conference for years mm-hmm. now. I don't even know. Uh, I mean, they're in the conversation for the best team in the country. I don't yeah. think that one's much of a – unless they suffer a lot of injuries, I don't see anything not going their way. Yeah. The, the most insane thing about Clemson is they got four guys that might go first round on their defensive line. Three are probably going top ten, and then the one is probably going later, maybe second round. Three, all three of those would have went first round this year, yeah, if they would have came out. And it just so happened they all three wanted to get a degree and went back. That's insane. It's unreal what Davo Sweeney's done there. I don't think we'll, we'll see. I don't think we may have ever seen a good defense line in college. We'll see this year. I think you might be able to make the argument a few uh, few years ago, back when well, it's been a lot more than a lot, a lot more than a few years ago now, when Darius was on the line at Alabama. Mm-hmm. That line they had a really good one. Was I know OU one year had like three All Americans on it, like Dusty, Tommy Harris, Dan Cody. I can't remember who the other guy was. So they had, but they didn't all go first round. And then the old Oklahoma State line with the Williams brothers, yeah, D tackle could yeah. be in that conversation. Of but course, it's, old old OU, you had the Selman <laughs> brothers at one time in the seventies, but. This is going to be a good line. Best one we've seen in a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. So who does Clemson beat in the in the ACC? You know, that's where I'm struggling is in that other half of the video. I don't know who is going to come out of that. It seems that one's up in the air for me. Okay. Who do you have in there? I got the U. I think Miami comes out over there. First off, well, I've always said Miami's my second favorite team, but that's not why I have them in there. It's because last year before the season started, I was like, They'll be pretty good, but they're a year away from really taking a step. And then they go 10-2 and last year, and it was like, holy crap, like they actually went. And I'm looking at their schedule. This won't affect ACC play, but first game of the year, Sunday night, they got LSU at LSU. But other than that, they get Florida State at home, and then they go to Virginia Tech towards the end of the year. We don't know what Virginia Tech is. But other than that, that's – that's their schedule. They got Savannah State, Toledo, FIU, North Carolina at home, Virginia on the road. Virginia's not any good. Boston College on the road could be a slip-up game. Georgia Tech on the road could be another slip-up game. But Duke at home, Pitt at home. They really should go. I, I, looking at their schedule, I think they lose to Florida State or Virginia Tech, one of the two, and they lose LSU opening weekend. They go 10-2. and two, But that's one loss in the ACC, so they're in the – so like, they're in again. I like Miami too, but – it's hard to trust them, I guess, is kind of my point. They've always managed to slip up in some way over the last few years. Like, I can't remember how many years ago. They were, like, in the conversation. Oh, this mm-hmm. is their year. They're back. And they go, like, seven and five. I yeah. mean, it's just kind of hard to – I do like Mark Rick, though. I think he's a great oh, coach. Oh, I do, too. I he, think he proved that at Georgia, but, yeah, I think he's oh, yeah, a great coach. Nick Saban and the coach at Alabama, he's still the coach at Georgia. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he really is, probably. And then I got Miami playing Clemson. There's three games that are, that are kind of curious for me. They go to Texas A&M, second game of the year. I'm not saying Texas A&M good, is good, but Jimbo Fisher's a great coach. He knows how to coach in big games. And it's at A&M, which is a tough place to play. Um, and then towards the end of the year, they go to Florida State, which that's a trick. Like, which Florida State are we going to see? Are they going to be the team that was preseason, what, number three last year that people thought were really good? But then end up winning six games for whatever they right, want. Right. Or are they going to act? Which which team are they going to be? And then they do have Louisville, which I think. But they get them at home. So the really the key ones are at Florida State, at Texas A and M. But again, Texas A and if they lost to both of those teams, for example, they'd still only have one loss in the ACC, so they'd be in. And I got Clemson dominating Miami in the ACC. Oh yeah, I think they would kill them. I think Clemson's 
I mean, we'll we'll talk more about our college football playoff, but Clemson, I think they're gonna they're gonna win they, pretty big. Oh yeah, they'll definitely in that conversation. Yeah, best team in them for sure. Yeah, uh, Big Ten. This was my toughest one, actually. Big Ten. I know it was. It was so. Ohio State looks good. Michigan State looks good. Michigan looks good. Penn State looks good. They're all on the same side of the Big Ten. Right. And then you got Wisconsin. And then you got Scott Frost, but he's probably a year away with Nebraska. Yeah. Starting at, I mean, like you said, Scott Frost, I think Nebraska will be back at some point, but they're They're on their way. They're a couple years away, I think, from really being in that conversation for. Did you hear what Lee Corso said the other day? They were talking about Scott Frost on the show on the ESPN show, they're previewing it. And he said, um, someone said that last time Scott Frost was at Nebraska, they won the national title in 1997. And Lee Corso said, yeah, but he was in the big 12. It's a difference in being in the big 12 and the big 10. Lee Corso must not remember from 1990s until about 2009, big 12 was considered the best conference or second best to the sec for that stretch. And then it kind of fell off after that. Like, especially early 2000s, Big 12 was... Big 12 was a monster. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska <laughs> was great. OU was great. Texas was a, great. a couple years after that, OU became great 2000. But Texas was great. Kansas State was great. Colorado had some great teams. <laughs> Oklahoma State had some decent teams. Their, that Big was, 12 was stacked back that then. That was when Texas Tech would have that year every now and then. Yeah, that would for sure. Mm-hmm. Be a problem. I mean, that was the conference for a while. Yeah, exactly. So... I'm not worried about Scott Frost eventually building Nebraska back to being Nebraska. Not either. And especially the way his offenses are, I think he'll really tear up the oh, Big yeah. Ten schools. I mean, you saw OU go to Ohio State, and Ohio State didn't have an answer. Granted, Baker Mayfield played out of his mind, and Scott Frost probably won't have a <laughs> Baker Mayfield, but offenses like that do well. Oh, yeah. But who you got in the Big Ten? Uh, Big Ten, I think – all right, well, I would say Wisconsin, I have them in the championship game. I think that was the easier one. <laughs> the other side, I think this – well, we're going to get into it a little bit at some point. This comes down to how much this Urban Meyer situation affects Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Because if they were coming in, no distractions, none of this going on, even though they probably don't have the huge talent gap that they have in years past, I would say they're the team to beat. They have the best team. They have the best coach. Give it to them. But who knows what – that atmosphere is going to be like mm-hmm. anymore. So I'd say it comes down to me between them and Penn state for taking home yeah. that division. And I'm still going to pick, I would pick Ohio state, but I think Wisconsin takes the, the title game. The title game. Yeah. I'm with you. I think Ohio state talent wise, they might be better than they have in the last couple of years. Uh, first off, Wisconsin easy. They're in. Now, I will say this. I don't think Wisconsin this year is Wisconsin good. I think they're just good. I think oh. they're going to be really good this year. Oh, yeah. Like, in years past, it's, well, they're good for Wisconsin. Then they go to the championship game and get waxed, and it's like, okay. Where they play that style of ball where they have the great <laughs> offensive line, great good running, running back, back, and a quarterback that are. doesn't turn the ball and over. And that's going to be the key. Do they have a quarterback that's actually a pretty good player? If he is, I think Wisconsin has a real shot to get to the playoff oh, yeah. and even win the whole thing because offensively and defensively, they're going to be stacked. But Wisconsin definitely will come out of that side. I think Penn State's – a lot of people think they might take a step back because of Saquon. And but Gusecki. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But their backup running back was really good. He just couldn't get on the field because he was behind Saquon. <laughs> but I, I think Trace McSorley is going to have a big year. That's true. Uh, but my team, I think, coming out of the coming out is Michigan. I think Michigan really? comes out. And the reason is 
First off, we'll, we'll we'll see how good they are opening week. They go at Notre Dame, so we'll see opening week if they're any good, and we'll see if Notre Dame's any good. Exactly. <laughs> now the, they get Wisconsin at home. They get Penn State at home. They do have to go to Michigan State, and they do have to go to Ohio State. So that's going to be tough. The, the stretch that's going to make or break Michigan. They get Wisconsin home at Michigan State, Penn State home. Three straight games. That's a tough stretch. That's they can get through that. Stretch. But since Jim Harbaugh's been there, they've been a top four defense every year. They just don't have a quarterback that can do anything. They got the five-star Shea Patterson from Ole Miss transferred, and he's eligible to play. I think they finally got their quarterback, and I think they'll be able to do some really good things. So I got Michigan versus Wisconsin, and I got in a tight, really close game, maybe a field goal game, Michigan beat Wisconsin. Really? I think was Okay. And I've Michigan defensively has been just – good with anyone they just offensively they couldn't do anything for years <laughs> I think some of it you mentioned that is a lot to do with their quarterback but I mean I don't watch a ton of Michigan football but when yeah. I have it almost seems like Harbaugh is trying to get a little too cute with that offense sometimes like lining up in just unnecessarily weird formations just for the sake of lining up in a weird formation yeah, he does and <laughs> I think a big part of it though is because he's trying to find ways to score with the, not having a great quarterback and he's trying to find interesting ways. I mean, Wisconsin's been in the conversation to win the big they just ten ground years and they without ground having a great quarterback. They do. Iowa does and for whatever thing. reason they get a great offensive lineman every year. They they they're O line U almost. Yeah, <laughs> OU's up there. Stanford's up there. But Wisconsin's right USC there. USC turns out USC. some good ones every now and then. But Wisconsin's where you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to the Big Twelve. But before we break down the Big Twelve. Because this podcast is mainly watched or listened to in Oklahoma. It's good. I'm an OU fan. He went to OSU. I went to OU. He went to OSU. So we're going to break down every game <laughs> from these two schools. So we'll go game by game. I think we're good the first two. Missouri State, South Alabama, I think both wins for Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah. Okay. Boise State, key. This is a key, key game. This Do they is, get the win? Yes. And – Everyone is saying, like, this is going to be close. And this is not a knock on Boise State. They are a very good team. I think it's nine starters they return on the defensive side of the ball. And they've got a fourth-year starter at quarterback. So they they played – 21 players made a start, at least one start mm-hmm. last year on defense. 17 of them returned. Really, so they I mean, essentially they're losing everyone. Leighton Vanderash is really mm-hmm. what they lost on defense. The other guys played – they were seniors. They played. They weren't major impact, but played. You know, four-year starter on at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're going to be a good team. But, obviously, there have been some slip-ups. But, for the most part, even in these games that Oklahoma State was not supposed to win early in the year, we come out strong. Mm-hmm. Essentially every year. Um, and everyone's saying it's a trap. I don't see it as an issue unless we – Gundy decides to ride with Taylor Cornelius, and he's still obviously not the answer, but Gundy won't take the keys away from him. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I really see Oklahoma State losing this game. I think it's not – I'm not going to call it a blowout, but I think it's probably a two- to three-possession victory for Oklahoma State. I don't think it's going to be close, but it's not going to be a blowout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Their their defense, um, from what I've looked at and done some research on, I think their defense is one of the better units in all of college football, so I think they're going to be pretty good. Offensively, though, they lose their top receiver and their top tight end, which is was his two main targets. But it's a good thing you have a four-year starter because he can find someone else mm-hmm. to go to. 
this was this was a really hard game, and we're going to talk about our surprise teams later. But this was a really tough game to, to go with. I'm going to go with Boise State in a close game, and I, I think because and the reason is because I'm just not sure on Cornelius. But maybe by then he's been playing great, and by then I might even think Oklahoma State will win. But as of now, I'm going to go Boise State. Yeah, and I, Boise State is a good team. I actually would not be surprised if this is the only loss on their schedule at the end well, of the year. If they, if they get through Oklahoma State, they could be the UCF from last year and go oh, undefeated. Yeah. They really could. Uh, Texas Tech at home. Texas Tech at home, I'm not worried about Tech. Until Tech shows me they can stop anyone on defense – even if it's a shootout, I would trust Oklahoma State to be able to get one stop before I would trust Tech to be able to get a single stop. Yeah, I agree. And it's the same thing. Until they prove that they can do it, I'm not going to pick Tech. So I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. Defensive-wise, they're a little better, Tech is. Offensively, well, they lose the quarterback they again. They couldn't really get worse on defense. Yeah. 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 The offensively, they, they lose their quarterback again. Um but Tech's usually pretty good on offense, so I'm not too worried about that. But until, like you said, until they prove that they can win these games, Oklahoma State. I'm picking Oklahoma State. Then they go to Lawrence. I think we both got Oklahoma State for that yeah. one. A tricky one. Come home to Iowa State. Iowa State never scared me before 2011, and now I am terrified of them <laughs> every time they're on the schedule. And I think this is, to me, is the first real test for Oklahoma State. Obviously, I've said Boise could be a great team, mm-hmm. but this this one scares me a little bit. They're always well coached. David Montgomery is in the he's, up he's top in the, five running back. I mean, he's, he's there. Could be in the conversation for best running back in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. And is I mean, I think Oklahoma State takes it because it's at home. If this was yeah. in Ames, I would pick Iowa State. But since it's in Stillwater, I think Cowboys win probably by ten. But it's I, not a comfortable ten. I feel the exact same way. If this was in Ames, I'd pick Iowa State. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. I'm going to pick it by three. I think it's really <laughs> close. I think it's going to be super close. And then a tricky place to play, they go to Kansas State. And Kansas State has given OSU problems in the past, especially on the road. Now, I don't have the exact numbers anymore. I looked this up one time. But over the last 10 years, Oklahoma State has a winning record against Kansas State. But Kansas State has outscored Oklahoma State by like 15 points or yeah. something during yeah, the time. Yeah, when Oklahoma frame. State wins, it's close. When Kansas State wins, it's and a blowout. Bill <laughs> Snyder is a time wizard. Yes. Somehow he manages to control the clock in the league where you just sling the ball around. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. This is a tough one. This is another one that it, it's coming down to a possession or two. I'm still going to take Oklahoma State. Just at this point, I feel like the quarterback quarterback is what scares me for Oklahoma State. Yeah. And at this point, either Drew Brown will be have taken over because Cornelius has fallen or Cornelius will have proven he's that he's the person to lead this team. Now, could get to Manhattan and Bill Snyder pulls out some dark magic and <laughs> it's a 30-point loss. But, yeah. I mean, I think Oklahoma State probably wins a one-possession game. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I think Oklahoma State wins. Luckily for Oklahoma State, early on is when they don't really have their tough Big 12 games, yes. but now it's about to get tough. They do get Texas at home, but what do you think? I don't think Texas is back yet. I don't think they're back yet, but I think this is the year that you're like, okay, they're on their you, way. I think this is the year you'll start to see see it across the board. We've seen it in that defense. That defense was just 
Unreal. ridiculous last year. They lost year. a lot of players. They lost the key to that defense in uh, Malik Jefferson. And then Deshaun Elliott was an All-American. And then was it Puna Ford? Is that his yes, name? The he was an amazing deep tackle. Lost him too. Yeah, so I mean, I think the defense will still be good. And I saw the chart they've named their starting quarterback. I'm not sold on their quarterbacks down there yet. Yeah, I um, think Bouchelle's good, and I don't know why they don't play him. See, the, he I, doesn't make the mistakes that Ellinger makes. I mean, we saw last year Ellinger just threw it right to you guys in the end zone in yeah. overtime on, like, second down and just basically just, handed you it. Michelle don't make those plays. Michelle doesn't make the highlight real plays that Ellinger does, but yeah. he's, he doesn't, make the doesn't make the highlight real mistakes either. I mean, you could argue – let's see. He cost them three games last year, you could argue. They were going in okay. to beat USC, and yeah. he fumbles at the one, throws the pick versus you guys – and versus OU, he comes back in after he was knocked out, so he's clearly concussed, shouldn't be in the game. But on fourth down, he throws it away. That didn't give this guy a chance. Just throws it out of bounds. Really could have cost him three games. OU, he still would have had to run down the right. field. USC and but OSU, it was going to score. But, yeah, it ended. It basically ended it. I mean, I think Texas is a – I think those statements, they're a year away from being a year away. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, you can start to see – Todd Herman's improvement, which nothing scared me more than when he got hired at Texas. If he can get a five-star defensive tackle to go to Houston, (laughs) what is he going to do at Texas? Exactly. But it's just not all put together yet. And I think Oklahoma State wins this one easily, but not like in a blowout. I think think Oklahoma State's going to play a lot of close games this year. Yeah, I do too. This this is a game that I honestly could see Oklahoma State winning. I could see Texas winning. It's going to be really tough. Like I said, I think oh, Texas is on their way back. Another note for this game: this is Oklahoma State's homecoming, so that place is going to be absolutely. It'll be it'll be ready to go. that night. So I think that could factor in. And it's Texas coming to town, so they'll be ready for that. Yeah. Um, I like I said, I think Texas is on their way back. Way back, I think they're a year, maybe two years away, but definitely a year away. But I think this is one of the games that they do win that you start saying, okay, they're on their way back. So I do think Texas wins this one. Like I said, I could see Oklahoma State winning, and especially at this point of the year. We're going to know what both these teams are. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be a little easier to predict this once we get there. Uh, right now, I could see Oklahoma State winning close, or I could see Texas winning close. I'm going to lean Texas winning close. Just, just lean it. This game will also be really, I guess, kind of the first test for uh, Jim Knowles' new 4-2-5 defense mm-hmm. because they will play good teams before this, but this is the one that's really going to kind of spread you out, mix and match things around. You're going to see yeah. how it goes mm-hmm. so uh how that defense works could be a big yeah point. for sure a much improved team the coach has them going the right way they go to baylor which is a tough place to play and like i said matt rule's got them on the right path now i think matt rule is a great coach like i did not follow his career much before he got to baylor so i don't know what all he's done in the past yeah. so i don't know if he's he just took temple to being a pretty decent program right. so i don't know if he's ever going to be I think I could see a Baylor turning kind of like a Kansas State every like two, three years once yeah. they reload, they're in the conversation. But ton of respect for him just taking on that yeah, program and, and, at that time and saying we're going to do things the right way and yeah, now building it sure. into something. And the one thing I was kind of surprised because I thought when all that went down, I was like, our Baylor's going to go back to being like they were. Like Kansas is being, now just the well, dormant of the league for a long time. The team you hope and then they got homecoming. Yeah, and then they got Matt Rule, and I'm like, Okay, Baylor actually could be the team that goes 
eight and nine every year and then has that 11 win season and then goes right. back to eight, nine, then 11 win season. They could, because the one thing I will say that Baylor's got that Kansas State doesn't have, Baylor's got the better facilities, so yes. players would want to come. And also, Baylor does all the cool jersey stuff, which players love to do that. And they just have a brand new stadium. Oh, yeah. So, and Waco is a little bit closer to bigger places exactly. than Manhattan, Kansas is. Exactly. So I think he'll be able to recruit there. I think Art Bryles proved you can recruit there. I don't know if that's a. I mean, great. he cheated a little <laughs> bit, but. Art Bryles proved you can get there. Matt <laughs> Rule will prove if you can recruit legally. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> Uh, I do like him a lot, and again, I think they're kind of in the same boat as Texas a year away from being a year away. You can mm-hmm. see he's laid the foundation. They are improving. Um, if it wasn't for Justice Hill for getting out of hold on to the football last year during the game, Oklahoma State would have almost run away with that instead yeah. of losing. Um, I just don't think they're there yet. Like, do it, Would it surprise me if Oklahoma State lost this game? No. But I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, I don't think they're there yet either. But like I said, I think they're on the right path, especially if Matt Rule will stay. Obviously, if a big school comes, he might just leave. But if he'll stay, I think Baylor is on the way back. But, yeah, I think Oklahoma State wins that. Travel to Norman the next week. Um, Unless Drew Brown takes – Which you got them undefeated right now. I do. You do. Um, This is where I think the wheels come off the wagon for this uh, – They got three tough games in a row, starting with OU. Yes. And this has happened to Oklahoma State every year since they moved Bedlam off of the final week mm-hmm. that we've ended up with this murder's row of games right before the end of the season. Well, you had it, what was it, 2015, I believe, where we went Baylor, TCU, OSU three weeks in a row. So we had the murder week three weeks in a row. I think they're in a different order, but these are the same three games at this time in a row that Oklahoma State had last year, which is where awesome. I, I think you played West Virginia early in the but I, I could be wrong. You might have played them at the end. I think it went like West Virginia, Texas, TCU. And, yeah. I mean, same couple games. It's just a murder mm-hmm. room that um, – unless Drew Brown is Baker Mayfield light, <laughs> which, I mean, he does play that kind of game just on a much Less lower level. <laughs> level. He's a uh, poor man's <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Cornelius can win this game. Yeah. I think – Drew Brown or maybe Spencer Sanders could, but I actually hope we just redshirt him. Yeah. Uh, but I think it will stay close for a half, but I just don't see it happening. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if OU wins this 20, 25 points. Yeah. When I told you when, uh, actually just last week, when Drew Brown was there, I was like, okay, they could give OU some problems and it might be closer than we thought. But then when they named Cornelius, I was like, I'm not worried about that game. It's always a rival game, so it might be close. It could be a Tyreek Hill punt situation yeah, it again, could be. but um, I don't see it. I, I think, like you, I think it will be close, a half, and then OU probably runs away with it. Just too talented offensively, and it's at home. So I'll give that to you. I'm also very excited to watch Kyler Murray play. Yeah, <laughs> I, am, I am too. I've been waiting for him to play. It's kind of bad because like we had Baker, but I was still like, man, I don't really like watching Kyler play. But Baker's so good, so you like watching him play too, so it didn't matter. Okay, a lot of te- people's favorite to come in second, maybe even win the conference. You get West Virginia, but they're at, you get them at home at least. But they they won't. I don't think they'll have as good offenses as OU, but they'll be right there. I think yeah, the uh, best quarterback in the conference, possibly. I mean, they return their quarterback and their receiver. I mean, yeah. they basically return their offense. Holgerson is a mad genius. He is uh, pounding Red Bulls. 
Uh, he is. Screaming as his hair gets longer in the back and mm-hmm. more bald in the front. Uh, <laughs> I love that man, and he scares <laughs> me, but that, def- that defense, too. It's... Every now and then they'll have a couple players. You're like, oh, this is West Virginia's year. Mm-hmm. This is a toss-up to me. Like, this is another one-possession game unless something crazy happens. I think West Virginia does take this one, but it's not going to surprise me if Oklahoma State wins. I feel like I've said that in every, almost every game. That yeah, I mean, go one way, but it's not going to surprise. I me think OSU could hang in this game, and we've seen in years past that OSU played West Virginia, and they really shouldn't have been in it. I think it was actually the year that you, 2014 when you guys weren't very good, but you hung in there. I think you won, but I could be wrong. You might have lost, but it was close. So I think they could hang in there with West Virginia. I will say this whole season for West Virginia is slo- solely on Will Greer. Does he stay healthy? Because offensively, him with the receiver, uh, Stills, that's Stills, back. Yeah. They're going to be good offensively if he stays healthy. Their defense was trash last year. They're still not going to be very good this year. But if Greer goes down, their back is not close to play. No. Like, and we saw last year they were a team that could have won nine, ten games. Greer goes down and they were just – it was just kind of like – when we played them on our senior day, it was like, oh, you know, no one cared. We were going to beat them. Uh, but I do think West Virginia is going to win, like and you said. I think some of it comes down to – I know Holgerson was not at Oklahoma State very long, but him – him and Gundy ran very similar types of offenses. Holberson mm-hmm. does spread it out a little bit more, not as reliant on the running as his, and is a little bit more creative, but they run a similar type of offense. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Gundy is more connected to his defense than Holberson is to his. So I think that kind of helps. Like Gundy's like, hey, this is what they're going to do here. And I think that gives Oklahoma State a slight edge. But this year with the talent, I think West Virginia does take it. Yeah, and that's what I think, too. Okay, so OSU finishes this season at TCU. If you got them winning this game, you got them going 10-2 and and being better than last year's team. So, But do you have them winning? I don't. Okay. That Gary Patterson defense in Fort Worth, I just don't don't see it happening. And honestly, at this point in the season, because of the new redshirt rule with the four games, if Oklahoma State is a one- or two-loss team at this point, most likely – out of the conference title mm-hmm. discussion. And I would not be surprised to see Spencer Sanders play a third game because I think he will see mm-hmm. him week one and two against Missouri State and South Alabama, and then he will sit out. And then at the end, if we're not going to play him, get another game rep. This could be close because mm-hmm. TCU is not typically deep on the offensive side of the ball. They're so, returning pretty much their whole starting line, offensive line, and the quarterback. Right. They are bringing a lot of people back, and that's why I think they're going to yeah. win. And th- I think they'll be in the conversation for conference champion. But they don't typically have the depth to be able to sustain themselves if they lose someone. Mm-hmm. And since this is the end of the year, if the injury bug did hit them, Oklahoma State could take advantage. And Gary yeah. Patterson teams historically get better as the year goes on. I think TCU runs away with this one, honestly. Yeah, so you got Oklahoma State going nine and three. I have this is weird because if Oklahoma State played TCU as their first or second Big Twelve game, I think they win that game because TCU's offensive line wouldn't be ready. Their quarterback wouldn't have many games, but because it's at the end of the year, the offensive line would have been playing a lot. Quarterback been playing a lot, and the defense is actually still pretty solid. That's why like TCU plays Ohio State this year. 
it will be without Urban Meyer, but I think Ohio State will wax them because TCU wouldn't have that preparation yet, whereas if TCU played Ohio State at the end of the year, maybe it's a closer game. So, yeah, I think TCU wins that game, and I see Oklahoma State going 7-5, and five, possibly 8-4, and because a couple of the losses I said could go either way. So I think they're 7-5, and 8-4. You got them going 9-3. and three. And so, that, and I could see them going seven and five, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be in an eight, eight and four, nine and three range, and that's just insane. That a year after losing a guy who played four years at quarterback owns basically every record mm-hmm. and two one thousand yard receivers mm-hmm. and both starting safeties. Yeah, that this team that ten years ago was lucky to win seven games. Yeah. It's like oh, it's a rebuilding year. We're going to win eight. Yeah, like it's mm-hmm. it's crazy what Gunn has been able to do. He's done a really good job. Uh, yeah, and the only difference was, I think, in a game or two that we were leaning both ways. I went the other way, and you went the other way. And literally, it could go your way or it could go my way. Cause I, that's, and it, it's so much uncertainty with OSU, but we'll we'll know early on. Do they pull out these close mm-hmm. games? Do they lose them? What, what, 2016, you guys had like four close games, but you won pretty much every one right. of them. And then um, last except year for they, Norman. And then last year, they kind of went the other way. You kind of lost them. So we'll and see. And I think we will go the 9-3 and three, or – and then take beat whoever we play in the bowl game because most years Gundy gets the team fired up and hit another ten win season, which yeah, for sure is kind of ridiculous, honestly, as I'm sitting here. Yeah. For sure. it. All right, so let's go through OU. Uh Florida Atlantic week one, eleven AM kick, which is you never want to play at eleven AM. No. But OU gets to play three straight eleven AMs, pretty much. UCLA's at twelve, but <laughs> pretty much eleven AM. Florida Atlantic, that actually nerve makes me a little nervous. But I will say this about Florida Atlantic, uh, good for OU because in the past we played like a couple teams or our two cake teams like Missouri State South Alabama. Yeah, well, well, their offenses aren't going to test you. Like right. Toledo was a triple option, so they're like we'll never see a triple option. So it's, you can't really take from watching them like, right. oh wow, our pass defense is really good. Well, they no, it's because they don't throw it. Yeah, <laughs> Florida Atlantic's going to spread you out, and you're going to see an offense like that in the Big Twelve. DeAndre Johnson's going to be their starting quarterback. Who, fun fact, last chance he used season two. He was their starting quarterback mm-hmm. for them. So, pretty cool. It'll be either him or it'll be Chris Robinson, who was the OU quarterback that got kicked out in the summer. So, one of the two um, will start. But Florida Atlantic, because it's 11 a.m., because they spread you out, that worries me a little bit. I think it'll be close, but I think OU wins it. I think OU pulls away at the end. That's why I'm at. Close, and then OU pulls away. Uh, yeah. I mean, Lane Kiffin's going to keep it interesting because mm-hmm. well, that's what Lane Kiffin does. Yeah. On and off the field. He always keeps things interesting. Yeah. And uh, I think they'll come out firing, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Fort Atlanta got up 17-3, 21-3 or something. But, <laughs> they really but I also would not be surprised if that happens and the game ends 55-21 to 21 yeah. with OU winning. So, True. Because I, I don't think they can stop OU, and I think that's going to be a key. Also, it's weird saying this because it hasn't, be that way, hasn't been that way, but I think – our strongest position on defense and the one we're deepest at is actually our secondary this year because we've had all these great recruiting classes the last two, three years, and finally these guys are juniors and sophomores and ready to play. And so we're deep, and they've done actually a really good job recruiting. And so I think this year is a finally a year that, hey, if a guy gets burnt, all right, you're coming out, this guy's going in. Where in the past, like, if he gets burned, it's like, well, we don't want to play this guy, so he's got to stay yeah. out there. I feel like it's probably most Big 12 teams have. Yeah, it's exactly. hard to get recruit great secondary recruits to come to the Big 12 where they're going to get, even if they're playing well, going to give up yeah. 80, 90 yards. Yeah, and, and shout out to Kerry Cooks. He came from Notre Dame, and he's done great. I mean, we got the five-star safety and Bookie. Um, 
our starting cornerback in 2016 who got thrown in at the end and did, I thought did an excellent job in Jordan Parker tore his ACL last year, but he's going to get moved to safety this year. Parnell Motley and Trey Norwood, both Motley, I believe was a redshirt freshman. It might've been a redshirt sophomore. Trey Norwood was a true freshman, both starting for the first time. They played a lot of games. And so I think they're going to take a step. Um, and then, and then we got other guys that have played a lot. Cleo Houghton's out there. I mean, you got guys that played a lot. So I think, the secondary actually could be deep and pretty decent this year, but we'll find out week one. <laughs> UCLA in Norman. Chip Kelly. This is not going to be Chip Kelly's UCLA team. He's still playing with someone else's recruits. <clears throat> um, it'll be interesting to see what he does because the, yeah. the system they were running before is nothing even remotely. And he, doesn't, he won't have his players for his, his system. And they'll still be learning his system. We'll see exactly. if he even tries to – Teach it that much with players who aren't going to be able to run it effectively. This could be one of those games that, like we said with OSU, could be interesting at the end of the year. But because it's the beginning, it's tough. If this was next year, I would mark. Which we do play them next year. Like I would, and UCLA. That I would mark on my calendar mm-hmm. to watch. I would still pick OU in that game. But, I mean, it's it would, still, it would be a good one. It's still too early in the Chip Kelly experience yeah. to uh, know what that team even could remotely look like. Mm. I don't think it's going to be close. I think OU takes the doors off of them early and just run. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's going to be a lot like the 2000, I think, three game when UCLA came to Norman. We won like 55 to 21. Now, I don't think we're going to get three punt returns by Antonio Perkins again. But it would um, be weird if he got eligibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But uh, like you said, he doesn't have his players yet. They went, they won like six games last year with Josh Rosen. You lose Josh Rosen. You lose some of your other guys. They're still not going to be that good yet. But Chip, I, Chip Kelly proved he rec- could recruit in Oregon. Think about what he's going to do at UCLA. Next year, I think they'll, you'll start seeing, kind of like I said with Texas, you'll see they're on their way. See it, and then, and then the year after boom, that, they're going to bust. They could, uh, and they're going to be coming in at a good time in the Pac-12 yeah. because outside of USC, most of these pac 12 teams are hitting their peak this year and next year, and they're going to start going back down and have to reload. I'll make this statement. I think in the next five years, between now, five years from now, I think UCLA will be running LA, not USC. I think we're going to get back to what it was when uh, Pete Carroll was at USC. When you saw almost every year it came down to that USC UCLA, UCLA game. I think that's going to start And USC won a lot of them, but I think it's going to be switched. UCLA is going to start I would agree with that, too. Yeah. Uh, we do go to Iowa State, another 11 a.m. kick. I feel okay, – like my gut tells me to pick Iowa State, but I feel like what after after what happened last year against Iowa State, mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley's just not going to let that happen. And he's yeah. one of the coaches that, even though he's only been head coach for a year – I feel like he is one of those that can legitimately say we're not losing this yeah. game, and he'll find a way. Well, to win. I'll tell you, Bob was a like Bob in his career. I think he only lost one time to a team in back to back years, and it was OSU in O one and O two. Other than that, he did not lose to the same team back to back years, and it was something that he was great at. And most of the time, if they lost the year before, they stomped them the next year, right? And most I think time. Lincoln's going to have a little bit of that mm-hmm. going on too, and. OU returns a lot of players. They, I mean, obviously yeah. they lost Baker, which is a huge mm-hmm. loss. But, I mean, they still returned a lot of their team, and that team is not going to want that to happen again. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, I because we lost last year, I think OU comes out. And also, 
Iowa State, Joe Lanning was a big part of that defense. They lose him. He's a big part of that team. Yeah. He yeah. caught, I think well, he caught and, a touchdown pass. Well, and he ran a lot in a wildcat, kind of like a belldozer type wildcat against us, and it just shredded us. Um, also, if you watch that game, OU got up like 17 to 3. CD Lamb gets hurt. We start losing some guys on defense. And I think we had like 20 missed tackles. Like it was like the worst possible game. Like everything to let a team back in the game that you could do, OU was doing it that game. Don't think it will happen again. Plus, their quarterback was third string and just went off. And I yeah. don't even think he can. I think he, they try to get his eligibility back because he actually had a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they were able to. So he won't be back. I, I don't believe. Iowa State is such a weird team they are. in the Big 12. because Matt Campbell's a great coach. He is a great coach. It's just, I mean, West Virginia's off on its own, but we brought them in later. They yeah. weren't a part of the original. Mm-hmm. They're, Iowa State is in such like a remote strange place compared yep. to the you rest would of the think Big they were 12 Big Ten. that and not only that they're always like sneaky good yeah they're never like oh Iowa State's gonna win but you're always scared of them mm-hmm. it's such and you don't know anything about yeah. them because yeah for sure like this quarter I don't know who their quarterback <laughs> I is either. I don't know either I don't Joel Lanning was the only player I knew on that team last yeah. year yeah and then David Montgomery I found out who he was I when mean, he lit right. up OU <laughs> Uh, then we, we get a, finally we get a night kick, a six o'clock kick. Army comes to Oklahoma. Army won 10 games last year, uh, or the nine or 10 games, one of the two, but triple option usually gives OU problems for about a quarter. You figure it out. Triple option is not hard to stop. Just do your assignment. Don't try to make a big play. Right. OU usually figures it out. They don't pass. Obviously they're a triple option team. I think OU, they hang in for a while, but OU pulls away and wins. I think though Army will bust a couple on them early. But OU would answer right back. The talent discrepancy and just athletes are too much. Even if OU does struggle with the triple option a little longer than you expect, they're so much faster and bigger that you know negates it after a little while. And mm-hmm. I think OU would win. wins easily. Yeah. Baylor comes to Norman. If this was at Baylor, I would give them a shot. I, I really do. But because it's in Norman, I think OU wins pretty good. I agree with that. OU Texas. Um, OU has really struggled with Texas the last three years. We we lose, but we last two years we've played them close and won by a total of like twelve points. Last two years with Baker Mayfield and with those two great teams, I think Texas finally beats us. See, I think OU wins, but it's going to be close, and it's a game like I think a lot of Big Twelve games are going to be a lot closer than mm-hmm. everyone is used to. Yeah. And I think, I mean, depending on what kind of defense Todd Herman does have back there, replacing so many major contributors, if that defense is close to what it was last year, I think Texas has a shot. Yeah, that's so tough for me to say Texas is going to beat us. <laughs> I hope it I'm going to be at the game. Uh, it's funny, the day before, I have a 6.30 wedding I'm the best man at. And I told my dad, my dad was here earlier, and I said, wait, we're going to Texas, right? He said, yeah, me and you are. I was like, okay, well, we got that wedding before. Like, we'll probably leave Norman at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, probably get to Dallas at 2 yeah. in the morning. And he's like, we're going. I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> we're going to that game. I'm going to the Oklahoma State-Texas game. So exactly. I mean, we're yeah. gonna, both going to get to see this, see if Texas is back firsthand. I think <laughs> Texas finally beats OU because I think, um, like, it's just been so close. They're finally due to beat us, I think, finally. And I think they're finally going to make the plays. But also – I could see OU winning, and I could see OU winning in dominant fashion because it's semi-early in the year, and they, like we said, they lose so many defensive players. 
And I, I really want to go with Texas because I think it's their year, but I also think OU could really win this game. Also in these toss-up games with OU, it's hard to say. It's kind of like with Oklahoma State. You don't know what you're getting out of the quarterback. You know Kyler's going to be good. Mm-hmm. It's just is his athleticism and that throw – like is he going to be able to – break tackles, get out of the pocket, and then find someone 40 yards downfield? Yeah. Or is it going to be when he breaks the pocket, he automatically runs? I think if he breaks, he runs. I think um, he's going to do that I, a I lot. I think it's a lot like Lamar. I mean, obviously, he's not as talented and as big and as fast as Lamar. He might be quicker side to side. He might be. Uh, but I think I think he rely, he's going to rely on his legs a little more than his, his arm. I, do, I am curious um, what Lincoln does with Kyler because with Baker – yeah, you ran some read option just to catch him off guard every now and then. But with Kyler, it could be a really big part of the game. And defensive coaches said, hey, when it's him and Rodney back there that have been practicing against us, obviously, he said, it's scary because you oh, don't yeah. know, like, do we take Kyler away and let Rodney go for 30 or do we take Rodney away and let Kyler go for 30? Oh, yeah. And we saw the first play versus West Virginia. Kyler goes 67 yards to the three-yard line first play of the game. I'm actually going to switch. I-, I think OU wins that game. I think OU beats Texas. I'm also interested to see how well Kyler holds up. Like, because you see how big, you know, you read how big mm-hmm. people are on the rosters. But I did not realize how small Kyler Murray was mm-hmm. until Bedlam last year when he came yeah. on the field for that one play mm-hmm. and he stood next to Baker. And I was like, oh my gosh, Baker yeah. is so much bigger than him. And Baker is not a large man. Yeah. I will say this I, I used to, me and Kyler actually had a class in the same building, and we'd both be walking there about the same time last year. He's probably 5'11", 6 foot. He's shorter than me. I'm about 6'2", 6'3", so he's, he's a little shorter than me. He's pretty, like, he doesn't look, but he's pretty buff and big. And I will say this, because he has a baseball background, and I've actually watched some highlights of Kyler from last year, he slides a lot. Oh, yeah. He slides a lot. So he knows he's, very smart. he's not one of the typical running quarterbacks that he'll make you miss and wants to make you miss and stuff, but he knows if – he's not going to be able to make you miss and you're coming from somewhere he'll slide and get down. And that's something a lot of the running quarterbacks don't do. And it becomes a problem. Okay. So I, I will go, I'll agree with you. <laughs> oh, you beat Texas. You into it. Talked me into it. And the only reason why you talked me into it is because I don't think OU is going undefeated. And because I think they will beat Texas, they'll be high on their horse. They're going to be at that point, six and oh, they go to TCU week seven. I think they lose that game. I agree with you. That and that and that's I was looking at the schedule and when I said Texas is going to win I looked next is at TCU and I was like well they're not going to lose two straight so I'll go OU beats Texas loses to TCU I agree with we that. always struggle at TCU everyone struggles it's at a great TCU. place to play I love going to that game see I've never been to, you need to go to a TCU I've been game. to TCU Stadium I had an aunt who used to literally live like three blocks mm-hmm. from TCU Stadium it's one of the nice stadiums I've it's, ever seen definitely. First off, driving into TCU's campus is crazy. You're just driving, and then you're just there. Yeah, and it's like you feel like you're in Beverly Hills. I mean, it's the nicest it's state so you'll nice. ever see. <laughs> the whole campus is beautiful, just stuck in it the is. middle of Fort Worth. I almost went to TCU. I almost also almost <laughs> went to TCU. I have a couple TCU shirts. I do, too. Because when I went down there for a visit and toured before, I was I went to community college first. When I went down there to tour TCU, I got some shirts. I went down there for a game, got a shirt for TCU. Uh, I love TCU. I've always really liked TCU, too. even when they're in the mountain, oh, well, mountain Midwest, Mountain West. West. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I was actually mad when they came to the Big 12 because I was like, I can't wear yeah. my TCU gear anymore. One of their old coaches from like the 40s has my favorite coach quote of all time. <laughs> They'll fight him till hell freezes over. They'll yeah. fight him on the ice. Yeah. And I love Gary Patterson too because he's I such too. ageist. I feel like yeah. he's probably a really fun guy, but he seems like yeah. such a no-nonsense, this is. is how we're doing things mm-hmm. coach. You, you respect him. He stuck with TCU through those lean years, fighting yeah. through the Mountain West, and now they're a national brand. The last three years, obviously last year we beat them pretty good both times. 2016, we were getting roasted by them. Came back, and we, we were one and two at the time because we just lost to Ohio State. We lost to Houston first game. Lost to Ohio State, had our bye week, and we're getting dominated by TCU. And it looks like we're about to go one and three. But then Baker Mayfield happens. And that's when D.D. Westbrook burst on the scene. And then he took off the rest of the year. So we end up winning that game. TCU and Norman in 2015 was the year we were up by one. They went for two. We knocked it down. Granted, we were up pretty big. Baker goes out with a concussion. Mm -hmm. Trevor Knight's. Trevor Trevor Knight. (laughs) (laughs) They came back and won. But in 2014, we go there. They beat us. Um and then pretty much every year, 2013 was close. 2012 was close and could have gone either way. Uh, TCU always plays that stuff. I think they get it. I do, too. Now, I could see that switching. In I Texas, could see losing to Texas and then I think they lose TCU. one of the two. If they lose to Texas, I think they beat TCU. If they beat Texas, I think they lose to I TCU. think it's more likely they lose to TCU, but I could see those win loss. Unless they slip up in one of the other games early mm-hmm. in the year, then I don't think they lose. But I, I do think they lose one or the other. Thankfully, because I think Kansas State's going to have a pretty decent team this year. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the, the next week we get them at home. So I do think OU wins that. I do too. If that was in Manhattan, I think it would be a coin flip. Really with it be. being in Norman, I think T's, or OU wins. I don't think it's a blowout. Now, they're the one Big 12 team that actually has beaten OU a couple times in Norman. But I do think OU wins that one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think it's one that OU's sweating. Yeah, I think it's one of those you might win by 14 or 17. But you're pretty comfortable, but you're not, but you're comfortable not because it's Kansas State. Yeah, you're not blowing them out, so you're not, like, super comfortable. But it's not close, so you're not, like, stressed. It's, like, right in the middle. And then we go to Texas Tech. I mean, like I said with OSU, until Texas Tech proves they can win these games, I don't think Texas Tech yeah, can beat them. I think, I think OU takes it. Uh, we already did the OSU game. We both had OU. Kansas, I think OU wins. <laughs> so sorry, that one's in Norman. So if it was in Lawrence, if it was in Lawrence, I'd take it, Kansas. <laughs> this is the game. Last game of the year, we go to West Virginia, um, which will be tough. But it seems every year, West Virginia, it's like, man, they're going to beat OU, and they have never beaten OU since they joined the Big Twelve, and it really and hasn't they, been close. There's been a lot of games where, even in the game, it looks like they've got it, and then yeah, like it'll be halftime, and it'll be like. A four point game. It's like or West something. There. And well, then 2014, like it, when we had a bad team, oh, uh, they go up seven right before half, and it's like, oh, shoot, West Virginia might win this. They kick it off, we take it all the way back, and it's tied at half, and then we rode the momentum. <laughs> yeah, they're always close, and I don't. I feel like if West Virginia doesn't do it this year, doesn't make that run for the Big 12 title, I don't think it's ever going to happen for West mm-hmm. Virginia, at least not under the Holgerson regime. I think this yeah. is his year. He's got a quarterback. He's got a receiver. He's got returning players. Defense isn't great, but I think the offense is good enough to get over those. And, you, like I said, we're not entirely sure what's going on with OSU. Is yeah. Texas back? OU, while they are still the best team in the Big 12, that gap isn't 
as big as it is mm-hmm. in most years. So this would, I mean, TCU, again, they're very good, but will they put everyone away? So if this is not, right. West Virginia doesn't, this, doesn't do it this year. I don't know when they do it. Mm-hmm. And I could see maybe that being some kind of almost battle cry situation going on up there to get them to burn. I think they're going to be pumped for that. It's 7 o'clock. They've already announced it's a 7 o'clock kick, so it's probably going to be your ABC primetime game. Primetime as long as West Virginia and OU does what they need to do. I mean, that's a minimum. 12 hours of Holgerson drinking Red Bulls. <laughs> a lot of couches have been burned. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's probably going to, like I said, if they do what they're expected to do, that's probably game day. Mm-hmm. College game day. And Maybe. Alabama-Auburn could be the same week. I'm not sure. either a preview I, of the Big 12 championship Actually, I take game. that back. That game's going to be a Friday night game oh. at 7 o'clock. And weird things happen on Friday <laughs> yes, night Yes, they games. do. Um, and this could be either – like a play-in game is that to, really a Friday to see who game? could go to the Big 12 championship game or even a preview of the I think this is the one year that, you know, they, they moved OU and OSU away so they wouldn't play back-to-back. I think this is going to be the one year that it bites them because in my Big 12 prediction, I got OU and West Virginia playing for it. So. I think it comes <laughs> down to OU, West Virginia, and TCU. Two of those three teams are going to mm-hmm. be in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think too. I, I'm giving West Virginia a slide edge. I, but. I agree with that. But, like, this either is – or TCU's lost their spot, and whoever wins yeah. this game. OU's website in. is saying Friday night, 7 p.m. at Morgantown, ESPN game. That makes me want to pick West Virginia, mm-hmm. just because. I'll tell you this. I'm picking West Virginia. I think West Virginia finally gets it. But I will say this. This is the key, though, because late late in the year, West Virginia, it's usually snowing. We saw that two years ago. Mm-hmm. If it snows, it plays in OU's favor because, of, because Kyler's a dominant runner. OU's got the better run game, and their offense relies solely on the pass with Will Greer. So if it comes into a snowy game or a raining game, bad weather, it's a big favor for OU. And we oh, saw yeah. that two years ago when we went there. Mm-hmm. OU, we blew it was the doors a, off. It was supposed to be a good game. Yeah, it was Baker not. threw the ball, I think, like 12 times because um, Joe and Samaje just ran all over. Yeah. Um, so if it – is a rain or a snow game that plays in actually OU's favor. And I think OU would win and probably win handedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not, if it's just good weather, which that's what we're predicting all these games to be good weather, I think West Virginia actually wins this game. I do too. If this was a, I know it's a weird thing to say, oh, if it was on Saturday night, I'm picking <laughs> OU. But anyone who watches college football knows any game that is not on a Saturday, the weirdest. Well, it's just happen. because it throws the players off. They, they lose a day of prep. It, it, it mentally, you're like, usually Friday is your walkthrough day, and you're going the whole year like, oh, Friday's walkthrough. And no, no, Friday's your game day this week. I mean, all those years ago when USC was that dominant force, that, those were the years when, like, Oregon State would beat them on a Jack was Rogers. Shout out to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, they would win those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Iowa State game that – Oklahoma State lost in 2011. Friday night game, which cost them, I believe, a national title. At least a trip. To At least a trip. They, they would go play LSU. A lot of people think they would go play Alabama because they don't remember LSU was actually undefeated and number one in the country. Right. Um, and LSU laid an egg in that game. They, did. they got dominated. Which uh, I'm still not convinced Quinn Sharp's field goal was not good. That went. Right. I said the same thing. I still say it. I don't know if he missed that. I, I honestly think he made it. Now, granted, overtime you should have won. Right, but but, but you know, <laughs> we shouldn't have had to go to. But it was crazy because you would think the next week when you played OU, which we weren't great, but I think we were number eleven, and you guys 
won 45 to 6. You thought that would make up for that really? loss, and it didn't. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> I was at that game and that the Bethlehem game, and that mm-hmm. was that was an insane atmosphere. We, as OU fans, knew going into that game we weren't going to win. I mean, we really struggled all year. Um, that was the year I think we were preseason number one, but we ended up going like nine and three that year. We really struggled. Um, actually, yes, it was because we went nine and three. We were playing Baylor, um, and we lost at the last second to Baylor. I think it was the following week versus mm-hmm. Kansas State. Ryan Broyles. All right. I just clicked on the preseason game mm-hmm. of the Cowboys. It's not going well. Uh, of course not. But, I mean, they're not they're not playing anyone. Yeah. Well, we got cut off. Uh, we, we've gone over our hour, I guess, so we got cut off. Uh, but it doesn't matter. We went on a tangent about Ryan Broyles for a little bit. Uh, back to the Big 12 real quick. I can't remember if we said our winners before we got cut off. We both have OU playing West Virginia. Yes. And we both have OU winning close. I have them winning close. I think it'll be close-ish. Close-ish. Okay. <laughs> and then I had uh, Washington versus Arizona in the Pac-12. If Washington can be- get past Auburn, they pro- I think they lose one game between the at UCLA, at Oregon, or Stanford at home. So if they get past Auburn, I think they're in. Um, I had them beating Arizona big. You had them beating USC. Mm-hmm. So now we move on to the SEC. Alabama literally <laughs> they get Auburn at home, which is their <laughs> toughest game. Like I said, a lot of people have yeah. Auburn as that one game. Now they do go to Death Valley. Does LSU finally get it right and beat them? I say no because I still don't think don't, they have the quarterback play yet. I don't think they have the quarterback play yet. And even though we couldn't get it done, and I'm not his biggest fan, Les Miles was a better coach. And what they have in there now, and I yeah. think it—they're kind of stuck in that no man's land. Now, Bobby right Petrino now. Uh, is saying that Louisville's winning, guaranteeing it, first game of the year oh. over Alabama. <laughs> I think he's crazy. Is Lamar Jackson coming back? Yeah, I know. If Lamar was playing, I give them a big shot because Alabama struggles with quarterbacks like that, and that's the best one of all of them. <laughs> so he would go off. Yeah, I think Bama takes that side. I, I think they go undefeated. Honestly. Oh, yeah. I through, agree Through the that. regular season, I think they're going. I agree with that 100%. All that, right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They are. That's, no. <laughs> they are, for sure. Now, the other side. Georgia. I have coming out. I don't think it's really? close either. Again. They're one game. Auburn out. <laughs> but they get them at home also. So, Auburn – or Georgia and Alabama both get Auburn at home. They – just like Alabama, they do go to LSU. <laughs> so, do they – even if they slip up once and lose one of those games, they're still they're winning still, the East. Georgia's in. I think they go undefeated too. And, and I, yeah, I think they go undefeated. I think Jake Fromm makes a big jump. I'm a big fan of that kid. Yeah, I think he could. Was, be, will he be named the starter? That's the key. Him or the uh, who was the? It was the number one dual threat guy. I can't remember. Yeah, I think Fromm. Fromm I, is, I think Fromm. He showed it. he has. I mean, that title game loss was not on. Yeah, he played fine, especially nope. for a true freshman in that. that I think they got conservative like OU did in the second half. That title game cost loss them. is on their defensive coordinator for yeah. calling a cover two against three receivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On second and whatever. Yeah. So Alabama, Georgia in the national title game. We mm-hmm. both have them both undefeated going into that game. Two. So it's probably number one versus number two, two or number one versus number three, depending what Clemson or does. Or possibly two versus three if some yes. weird thing happens. Something. I think Alabama wins a tight game, like a three-point game. I agree with that. I think we're in for another instant classic, mm-hmm. all out last year's national championship game. Two great defenses with a couple of huge offensive plays. 
I mean, I think it'll probably be like 27 to 20, 27, 24, something mm-hmm. like that, where Alabama pulls it out because Nick Saban is Nick Saban. Yeah. <laughs> and because it's going to be a tight game, and because I think OU's got two losses because I had them losing TCU and West Virginia, but the Big 12 champ, I think Washington does lose to Auburn and then lose one of those games. So they're going to be a two-loss champ. You're going to have two two-loss champs. Georgia and Alabama were undefeated going in that game. Alabama wins tight. I think Alabama and Georgia – both get in the college football playoff. I agree with that 100%. I, I, I have first game, number one Alabama playing number four Michigan because I have them coming out as the fourth. And the other game I have number two Clemson um, versus number three Georgia. I have Clemson beating Georgia and I have Alabama beating Michigan. So a third time you got Alabama Clemson, Clemson wins it. So I have almost the exact same scenario as you do except switch – Michigan for Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Everything else, I agree with you going into the final, except I think it is Clemson-Bama, but I think Bama wins again. Uh-huh. I trust and, their quarterback. I honestly think Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia are like three surefires in. <laughs> I agree. It really because comes, their schedules are, first off, they're dominant teams, but their schedules are easy too. So. Right. Easy schedules, great teams, and Georgia and Bama both being in the SEC helps too. Yeah, but, And I don't want to hear that Alabama's – Oh, they're scheduling these teams. Like, they scheduled Wisconsin on a down year. Last year, I'll give them credit. They scheduled number three, Florida State, years in advance. They didn't know Florida State was going to have a horrible year that right. year. It's like – And um, they had a really down All year. this knock on people's scheduling, you can't judge. You can't you predict sh- it. You schedule it eight years out. You don't know what any team is going to look like mm-hmm. in eight years. I mean, right now, people – you know, if things hadn't shaken up, people probably would have scheduled Oklahoma State eight years ago. For early games now and yeah. not knowing what they're walking well, into. A good example was in 2016 when we lost to Houston. Really, we should have won that game, but we said that years in advance, Houston was a dormant team, not very good, and they actually were a decent team that year. Like when Oklahoma State also lost to uh, Houston early mm-hmm. in the year, we scheduled it, came off that big win over Georgia, and Case Keenum was there for one of those like eight years he was at <laughs> yep. Houston and beat us. So, yeah. I mean, you can't know what teams yeah. are going to be like. You because there's so much give and take mm-hmm. and rise and fall in college football. Yeah. Now, I think two is going to be really good this year, but I think uh, Alabama is still going to be Alabama, which means ground and pound. And that's why that 4D lineman from Clemson, I think they're just going to shut down the run. That's why I, th- I have Clemson. I think it's going to be close. I think it's, I think it's going to be a close game. I have it tight, but I think Clemson pulls it out. I think it's going to be like when Deshaun And Watson I think Trevor Alabama. Lawrence is going to win the starting quarterback job, really? the true freshman over Kelly Bryant. Okay. They're saying – Oh, yeah. He's had the second highest grade of anyone by rivals in high school quarterback history. Okay. Um, I think the number one was Vince Young, and he was number two, Trevor Lawrence. And he's been killing. And I think if I think he's going to win the job. I think that Bama Clemson game is going to look a lot like the first two, mm-hmm. except Low. Sean Watson is not in. Yeah, is not quarterback for Clemson, yeah. so you don't get that last drive. And I think Bama puts one more in the end zone and wins mm-hmm. like twelve. Your surprise team outside of the Power 5, UCF, was the surprise team last year. Who's it this year? I'm picking Houston. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, they got the best player in college football at all. Of her. It, he is in the discussion for best player. I mean, we've talked about how great Clemson's line is. Mm-hmm. Bam always has one or two great D linemen. But Ed Oliver is the best defensive lineman in oh. college football, and he is going to wreck those lines in there. And Houston always puts up points. So yeah. I – Will not be surprised if they I, they'll probably lose a game, but I mean, they're still going to be top fifteen, top twenty team, which 
It's hard to do that when you're not going it to is. the Power Five conferences. It is. My surprise outside of the top out of the Power Five, I talked about them earlier. Boise State, I think they're going to be good, and if they get past OSU, they're a real team that probably will go undefeated. Right. They won nine of their last ten, including a win over Oregon in the bowl game last year. Like we said earlier, they basically returned to everyone, especially on the defense. Right. I think Boise State's the, the surprise uh, outside of the Power Five. Um, I think those are the two best yeah. non-Power Five. And I think UCF teams. could be good. They'll Again, still be good. My thing is, is Josh Heupel was our offensive coordinator, and I know how bad he was. And so, and him being, and I'm not saying he would be a bad head coach because I think he could be a good one. But until you see it, I can't just say they're going to be great. You and know, they, and they lose Shaquem Griffin, which or was it Shaquem or Shaquem? It was Shaquem. Yeah, Shaquem. They lose him, which he was the heart and soul of that defense. And you lose, but and they did return their offense. I mean, and Scott Frost was the he's a genius. He was the mastermind of that he entire was. program. So you're going to take a step back. It's almost natural, right? Heisman, Heisman. I think Bryce Love. I mean, I think he's got to be the favorite. He's yeah, do it all back. My uh, only worry about Bryce Love, I got him one in the Heisman also, just because I think he's just amazing. But players that play out west. West Coast voters don't watch those games because they're right. so late. Which is why they need to watch him because he do. is the, you know, Ed Oliver. I think is the best player in college football, but he's probably he's not going to win a Heisman as a defensive tackle. I actually unless saw, he gets some touchdowns. I saw Heisman odds that had Bryce Love at one and Ed Oliver at two. Mm-hmm. And while I think that Ed Oliver should get recognition like that yeah. if you don't give the heisman to indomic and sue that year that he destroyed he the big 12 yeah, I, you're not, not going to give it to ed oliver for yeah he went up on they've talked about having him in on offense so he can get some touchdowns but i think price loves the clear favorite funny uh the, the favorite right now is tua I have him. <laughs> I actually have him on my list i, have I don't him, have him on my list see i have price love <laughs> at one and then i have a two a two b and that's okay. as far as my list went I have Tua on there, and justice for Heisman. Okay. I think he has a shot. I've well, heard and if OSU has a good year, then he could. I mean, and especially like we talked about him being used in the passing game. I think he could. The only issue that I think could hurt him is I've heard Gundy wants to reduce his carries a little bit. But I mean, if you have a guy who's ripping off runs, you're not. Yeah, taking the fresh hand. And I think he has a shot yeah. if he's given the work. My number two and number three, I, I talked about how I think West Virginia is going to have a big year. So if they're going to have a big year and get to the uh, Big 12 championship, well, that means Will Greer had a big year. So Will Greer is number two. I talked about Michigan having a big year. Shea Patterson is in there for me. Jonathan Taylor, obviously best offensive line in football. He had an amazing year last year. He's going to do great again. And then I got Khalil Tate number five because, I mean, that dude is unreal. <laughs> yeah, he, is. he went off last year, and if it wasn't for them not starting in the first five games or whatever, he might have been. Finished second yeah. Heisman last year. And it's so weird because most years, the people who we think are going to win the Heisman usually aren't even at the final voting. Like, they're not even yeah. in New York whenever they hand out the trophy. So I, I picked Mason Rudolph last year. I thought he was going to be in the conversation. <laughs> I didn't think he was going to win it, but I thought he would be at the at the ceremony. Yeah, the funny thing is last year I was like, before the season started, you know, OU has the statues of Heisman. And I was like – a guy like Baker that has meant so much to the program, he's got to get a statue. But the only way for him to get that was to win the Heisman. And so the whole time I was like, he's got to win the Heisman, right? He will win a Heisman because everyone's got to remember who Baker yeah. never was. that didn't get to see him play. And I was just like, no, I'll go Mason Rudolph. I should have just won Baker. I should have. He won it. So. Well, 
Oklahoma State's working on getting a statue of its Heisman <laughs> Trophy. It, it's happening. They need to do something. They, they're working, they really do. Besides his terrible Honda dealership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, we did all of our predictions. So now we get into the serious talk with Urban Meyer. Uh, before we get into that, I want to read some things. So before – okay, so this re- happened in, what, 2015 – that was the most recent. Most the recent first one. was 2009. Yeah, when he was at Florida. But then 2015, Zach Smith, wide receiver coach, uh, that's when this whole thing went went down. Uh, Urban was asked about it at media days. Uh, You're crazy. How would you come up with these ideas? Basically dismissing the whole thing. Then finds out that he didn't know about it. He was lying at Big, 12, Big Ten media days. He says in the Big Ten media, or after when he got put on leave, Yes, I did know. Basically, he said, yes, I did know about it. You know, blah, blah, blah. I just was caught off guard, basically, is what he said. Um, the findings came out that uh, he will be suspended three games, but he did everything he was supposed to do because he told the people ahead of him um, of what was supposed to happen when he found out. That's what that's what the findings said, and he's only suspended the first three games. Well, here is a text from Shelly Meyer that she sent to Urban on July 23rd. Um, he said, she said, I am worried about Zach's response. He drinks a lot. I'm just not sure how stable he'll be. I afraid he will do something dangerous. It's obvious. He has anger slash rage issues already. Urban did not respond. So obviously urban knew about it. He got a text from his wife. Uh, here's some other crazy things I saw. Trail Pryor was suspended five games for selling gear in exchange for tattoos. Todd Gurley was suspended four games for accepting $3,000 to autograph memorabilia. Nine North Carolina football players this year suspended four games for selling sneakers in exchange for up to $2,500. You're forgetting my favorite. Which one was that? Des Bryant suspended a season for having lunch with Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. Urban Meyer suspended three games, like we said. I'm trying to look. and So Urban then had a press conference, and the whole time he was talking – Basically didn't say anything about the victim. They're like, do you feel bad? And he's like, what do you feel bad about the most? He's like, that we're even in this situation. So he's not even talking about it. Well, big backlash. People are like, oh, you don't even care about the victim, Courtney Smith. You don't even say anything about him. So he releases this statement. Uh, This is word for word from what he tweeted. My words and demeanor on Wednesday did not show how seriously I take relationship violence. I sincerely apologize. I was taught at a very young age that if I ever hit a woman, I would be kicked out of the house and never welcome back. I have the same rule in my house and in the football program at Ohio State. Over the years, we have worked hard to educate and remind our coaches and players of the seriousness of relationship violence. I understand my lack of more Action in this situation has raised concerns about this commitment. I once again apologize for this, and I extend my empathy to all women, men, and families who are affected by relationship violence. This has been a real learning experience for me. I truly intend to use my voice more effectively to be a part of the solution. Let me say here and now that I should have said on Wednesday, I sincerely apologize to Courtney Smith and her children for what they have gone through. That was his whole statement. Uh, Totally a PR statement. (laughs) <laughs> completely just saving his butt on that. And the funniest line I saw on the whole thing, he said, I was taught at a very young age that if I ever hit a woman, I'd be kicked out of the house and never welcome back. I have the same rule in my house and in the football program at Ohio state. You found out about this in 2015. Why was he not fired in 2015? You found out about this in 2009. Why did you not fire him? Yes. Florida. And then you brought him to Ohio state. 
2015, you found out about a new instance, didn't fire them then. And this, anytime we, us, anyone, starts discussing domestic violence and any kind of abuse and then how it relates to sports, in some ways, I am like, almost feels like it's trivial compared to what has actually happened. To and, these and it's people. a hard talk, and topic to talk about. Because we're trying to figure out how something that happened off the field where most, if any one of us did it, we're in jail for oh, yeah. five to ten years. <laughs> and then comparing it to missing a handful of football games or 75 baseball games at the, in the MLB. And it's just such a weird topic to discuss sometimes because – when you're like, oh, this guy should be suspended for a year for hitting his wife. Like, no, he shouldn't. He should be in jail for 10 years. Yeah. Like, it's the way the media and everyone handles these situations has almost trivialized what domestic violence really is. Yeah. And this is my biggest problem with the whole thing. I thought he probably should have been fired because he lied about it. Um, now that you hear that he did tell his people that were over him, okay, I understand not firing him, but three games is ridiculous. I think – at the minimum, six games. At the minimum. Very I think he should have been all year suspended. Agreed. And this is my biggest problem with the whole thing is because, yes, he told management, like, this is happening. This is this has been happening. Then fire Zach Smith then. <laughs> and then tell them. That's the biggest issue. Fire him. And if nothing, management isn't doing anything, go to the police yourself. If yeah. Urban Meyer walked into the Columbus police station and said, give me a detective, I need to report domestic violence, that entire police force is at Zach Smith's house it in is. five minutes. It is. I mean, sure, he did what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do anything. Yeah. He did – I would say he did part of what he's supposed to do. You're supposed to give it up to your authorities ahead of you. Minimum. But you need to fire the guy. Like, he also – he has a history. And this is, this is where I think he had the – this is where I think he got in too deep with the coach. Agreed. And and uh, it's Zach Smith was Woody Hayes' grandson. Woody Hayes at Ohio State was Urban, gave Urban Meyer his first GA job in the coaching business. He's known Zach Smith since he was like real little, really close to him. That's why he got him to Florida, brought him to Ohio State. And I think what I've heard is Urban basically saw him like a son. And I think that's why he didn't want to fire him because he was like a son to him. But you got to overlook that and realize you are the CEO of a football program. You are the coach. You decide who's hired. You decide who's fired. You can decide all of that. You have to fire him then. It wasn't until this summer when it was starting to get leaked that, hey, this is happening, like this happened, that he fires him. And it's not even moving away from like just Urban Meyer's housekeeping abilities. Clearly they're not – good mm. all you have to do is look at his florida teams I mean, yeah i mean Norris jenkins cam newton the pouncy twins aaron hernandez, hernandez uh, you know riley cooper, cooper had just said a bad said word things. but uh, i mean the one recruit that he got right was tebow yeah i mean yeah, yeah. we handled that and from what i've heard obviously i don't know i'm not someone who has insider information to florida exactly. programs but from what i have heard is zach smith was just not a good coach like he would skip meetings he would show up like half drunk at practice he was taking pictures explicit pictures in the white house and like that was common yeah that was on ohio state yeah like he's done all these things like that in the office he was having uh sex toys delivered 
mm-hmm. to Ohio State. He went to a strip club on a recruiting trip. And the so this is an actually interesting fact that I found out. So the I believe it was May 8th of 2014 when apparently the strip club incident happened, and it apparently was him, Zach Smith, another coach on Ohio State, and apparently they took some high school coaches that they were there to see with them. May 7th, he tweets out a picture of him in Miami on a recruiting trip, so the day before, and the coach that was with him was Tom Herman. Yeah, I've heard that too. I found that interesting. This whole and he t- in the Instagram post he said Tom Herman, right. me and Tom Herman are now. Are we saying Tom Herman went to the strip club the next day? Are we saying could he have gone home that day? Possibly, sure. but he probably was there for the recruiting trip, so he was probably there for the strip club. I mean, even if you and this is the biggest thing: if someone commits domestic violence on your staff, they should be gone the next day. Yeah, but even removing. That from the entire Zach Smith equation, he should have been fired. As soon as long, that happened, he long have time ago, even if you remove domestic violence from it, like yeah. that man had no business being near an eighteen-year-old trying to teach them how to be, really teach them how to be a man. Yeah, you're teaching them how to play football, but you're teaching them how to be responsible, how to take care of business, how exactly. to be an adult. And you have a guy who is legitimately just a wife beating screw up scumbag out yeah. there. Like even like it just didn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He should not even had a job. And like you said, apparently it wasn't even that good of a coach. So you really shouldn't have had a job, but I just, this is why I hate internal vesti- investigations. I think teams should do internal investigations. I think those are fine. I think they should, but then they should turn their findings over to another entity that then levies the decision. Yes. Or, if they come out, let's say, like for this instance, they came out and said, we deem that blah, 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 three games is right. If NCAA says, mm, with all those findings, three games is not right, we're going to do our own investigation. I think they should. And I think because we- the, the, the team investigation is going to do the least amount to get. So it's like I saw somewhere. It's, it's basically shocking like, that Ohio State investigated Ohio State and decided not to ruin Ohio State's football program. Like, yeah. Well, it's like this. If, if you did something really bad as a kid, it's like um, someone will, well, I, I grounded him for it. It's like, no, you should have spanked him for it, you know, or whatever. Like, whatever the parent, like, yeah, you gave him a punishment, but it's not that bad of a, it's like, I I, I grounded him from uh, uh, going outside. But he never goes outside anyway, so who cares? <laughs> and then also, weird thing I've heard, and I believe it was Paul Feinbaum that said this, and I, consider Paul Feinbaum a pretty he's good he's a very reliable source yeah that the reason the Ohio State meeting with Urban Meyer took 12 hours was because Urban Meyer said he wasn't going to accept the suspensions like how does that work like are they sitting there going you're suspended for four games he's like no I'm not yeah like well (laughs) and the funny thing about that um you got three games you should have been fired, probably, arguably. You definitely should have been fi- uh, suspended at least six games, probably, probably the whole the year. Season. And you got three games. And the three games are two cupcakes and a TCU team that we talked about early. Early on, they're not going to know what to do yet. And then my, They're going to win those three games easily. My one takeaway from the Urban Meyer press conference, the original one, not mm-hmm. his statement, was the whole thing about how – he didn't lie because he has large memory loss and gaps in his memory. 
And he should, then he should not coach. be a coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, yeah, I didn't even think about bringing that up. But, yes, he talked about how he lied because he suffers memory loss. Then how is he a coach? Like Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, none it doesn't this, add up. None of this makes sense. There's a lot of holes. The NCAA needs to go in and – they need to do their Rarely own investigation. do I ask the NCAA to do anything. Exactly. But this is what's not. They need to come in. They need to do it, and they need to go figure out what Art Bryles was doing in Baylor. I don't think they ever got a good answer on that yeah. one. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, they need to come in and do some stuff. This is outrageous that he got three games. I mean, we, we listed off some players that were getting five, six games for minimum stuff. It wasn't hardly anything. They were getting five or six games, and you're giving a coach three games for a big thing. I don't remember who it was. It it honestly reminds me of, now, obviously Urban Meyer wasn't the person that punched his wife, but Ray Rice getting two games. It was like, what the heck is that? And then they were like, NFL, honestly, NFL came out like, yeah, we made a mistake whole year. He's like, Dan, come back. Didn't James Winston like get a game for like stealing the crab meat or whatever? Like, yes, he did. Yeah, for stealing the crime, so, um, he got yeah he got suspended the game. It was the Clemson game actually, I right? Think. Like that's just so. I mean, stealing three pounds of crab is yeah. the same as covering up spousal and, abuse. And I his guess. and his thing was, he said, I didn't steal it. It was we would go to this market and they would just give it to us. So I just went in, they gave it to me, and I walked out. And someone reported that he stole yeah. it. Yeah, um, which obviously you're not allowed to get given food, but but, but also I heard this. He's really only suspended one game. He can't practice or coach the first game. After that, the next two games, he can pra- practice and coach mm-hmm. all the week, but he can't coach the game. So he's going to prepare him for these games. Then, he just can't be physically on the field. Then is it – I'm probably going to use him. Gene Smith, I believe, the athletic director mm-hmm. or whatever it is. He's suspended for, what, four games? I think. Why does that matter? Like, how, like, what is – an athletic director has nothing to do with the day-in and day-out operations of a football program. Exactly. Like, that, that's I, a nothing suspension. I honestly – when they said three games, I was my, – my jaw dropped. I really – I was like, three games? Are you kidding me? I can't remember who it was that I heard say this, but it was like, basically, if you're a college football player, why should you care – like, why would you be a part of this institution when clearly you are held to a higher standard than the people who are supposed to lead you? It's true. If I'm the nine UNC players, I'm outraged over this. Oh, yeah. They got in trouble for – they were given these shoes and they sold them to make some extra money. It's like with Johnny Manziel signing footballs and stuff. I don't think he ever got suspended or if he did it was for like a game. I don't think so. But it was – Because I don't think they ever proved it. Right. But like we just showed, Todd Gurley got four games for signing stuff. Four games for signing stuff, signing his own name, getting paid to sign his own name. He gets four games and Urban Meyer gets three for this. It's ridiculous. It doesn't – none of it makes sense. These student – like you said, these student athletes are held in a higher standard than the coaches. And that's – that's ridiculous. Not only is that just ridiculous for how the NCAA is set up, this should be embarrassing to these yeah. coaches. Like, Urban Meyer should be embarrassed by this. Even if, whatever, three-game suspension, he should be embarrassed about his behavior during this entire situation. Sure. But if you look over his whole coaching career, we mentioned everything that happened in Florida – it's kind of hard to say the man has like a moral compass. Like if he lets all of that crap happen with his football players, 
and this coach, what kind of man is he? Well, and like we said, his Florida team's had some problems. <laughs> and then his Ohio State now has some problems coming out. Like you're seeing these two places, two big-time problems, our programs having problems at. And, and then he his excuse is memory loss. I mean, and now looking back at it, you almost wonder – what was happening at Utah that we don't That's know about because it was, it was Utah, Utah at exactly. that time, and Utah was not a name at that time. Exactly. So it's crazy. Uh, like I said, I think minimum six games. That was a minimum. I honestly, if it was me, season gone. I knew when he would had his like this came out. I think like on a Thursday mm-hmm. when it was for, not not the actual suspension, but when all this information that this was going on yeah first came out. I believe it was like Thursday afternoon or Friday, something like that. Yeah. I knew when it was Monday at noon and he still had his job that it was going to be some BS lip service type. I knew he suspension. was probably keeping his job, I but knew, I thought they would actually suspend him for one, a while. When I knew what I knew it was going to be less than six games when he still had a job on Monday. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. But all right, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, this was the college football. Preview, I guess. The extended version. And then some, (laughs) yeah, the extended version. And some Urban Meyer. So thanks for tuning in.